Today's reading from 2 Samuel seems to take us back to a very primitive time of violence and sacrifice. But we regard that reading at our peril if we call it primitive and ancient, because, of course, this day, with the horrifying news coming out of Orlando, we know that the world of violence and cruel sacrifice is still very much with us, even as we grieve another wound in our national community. In a way, the story of David is meant to be mythic in scope, and myth has always been distributed and transmitted in the human family to speak to something fundamental about the human condition. The story of David and Uriah's wife, whose name, incidentally, is Bathsheba. Isn't it interesting that she's not even named in today's pericope? Is one of great scandal, even to the ancient authors and the first hearers of this story. David sees Bathsheba bathing one day and immediately lusts after her and takes her to his bed, and she becomes pregnant. Uriah, her husband, is a warrior, a faithful warrior in David's army, and David, to cover his sin, tries to get Uriah to go home and be with his wife, but it is the eve of battle, and he is focused on going and doing his duty, and even though David gets him stone drunk, he will not go and be with his wife. David, in his frustration, orders that Uriah be sent to the front lines, where he knows he will be killed by the Ammonites. And then we arrive at today's story, where he takes Bathsheba into his palace, and she becomes his wife. It is a story that is pervaded and filled with violence, not least of which that violence falls upon Bathsheba herself, so that some scholars have come to regard this story as the rape of Bathsheba. She is simply a pawn in this story about the desires and lusts of the king. And David is behaving very much like the kings of old, the tribal chieftains who take whatever they want for themselves and whoever they want and are willing to sacrifice even the lives of the faithful. Nathan, the courtly prophet, confronts David with his grave sin and makes note that David, rather than following in the paths of Yahweh, his God, the one who has anointed him king, has adopted the older sacrificial and lustful ways of kings. He has put his own desires above all else. And in doing so, he has adopted violence as his creed. And Nathan very gravely tells him, now the sword will not depart from your house. Violence will be part of your household. And in this mythic story, Nathan discloses 
using this language of metaphor, the sacrifice of innocence. First of all, in the language of the parable about the ewe lamb. And then that comes to become embodied in David and Bathsheba's son, the sacrifice of a holy innocent. It's the old story again, the old sacrificial system, the death of the innocents. And for a dreadful moment in today's readings, it seems that Yahweh, our God, is complicit and even active in that old system. We have to regard that with some horror, some shock, some concern. Otherwise, perhaps, we have not been listening. But you see, even if we stick to this mythic story, it's the few verses that come after this story that begin to show us that God is up to something new. Because it is after the death of their firstborn that David goes and comforts Bathsheba and they conceive again. And the son born to them is named Solomon. And Nathan returns and says immediately that Solomon is beloved of God. And indeed, Solomon will begin to lead the people of God out of that old sacrificial system of violence. And while things will remain focused around sacrifice for the next thousand years in the temple, the old systems of human sacrifice are being set aside. Something new is beginning. Which brings us to today's gospel reading. Jesus understands that the sacrificial system is still with us, certainly with his contemporaries in the first century. The Pharisees, while they are not as entangled in the sacrificial system of the old Solomonic temple, have a different sacrificial system. It's a sacrificial system with which we are still familiar if we are not careful and that is the sacrificial system of religiosity. Embodied in the person of Simon, who welcomes Jesus to his house, but if you look closely at the text, he keeps Jesus at arm's length. He's being polite, but really not all that hospitable. The point needs to be well taken that he does not welcome Jesus with a kiss, as would be custom of the time, nor does he offer Jesus' opportunity to wash his feet, which would be a symbolic way of honoring his work, nor does he anoint his head with oil, which is what you did with honored guests. Rather, he holds him at a distance. Then in comes a woman, like Bathsheba, she is unnamed. And she is regarded as a pariah of the town. She has been sacrificed so that others may feel righteous. 
she has become the scapegoat of the village so that others may be comfortable in their own religiosity. And yet she is the one who shows radical hospitality to Jesus and uses her own tears to bathe his feet and honor his work, her own hair to dry them, and this costly jar of alabaster ointment, which in other tellings of this gospel fills the room with its fragrance, so that no one, even the righteous religious, can escape the scandal that she is disclosing in their midst. Jesus points this out to Simon, none too gently, I might add, but he points it out nonetheless. And in and around his community is this new group of people beginning to form, Luke points out, including many women at the bottom of their society, bringing forth resources and cultivating this new life that is beginning around Christ. This new kingdom, as he calls it, that is beyond the systems of sacrifice and violence that are so pervasive in the world. This life that is built not around violence or sacrifice, but around peace, around forgiveness, around love which the woman embodies by touching Jesus, by weeping on him, by daring to come close. The vocation that she discloses to each of us is the vocation of our baptism. It is the vocation to come close to Jesus and touch him to touch, not just taste, but to touch and to see this new way of being at work in our midst. This way that upsets the old sacrificial systems and the old systems of violence. This way that confronts us with our own religiosity and our own sense of righteousness and comfort often bought at a price and that price falls most heavily upon the poor and the marginalized. Even today our economic system is built that way, our political system is built that way, and the constant cycles of violence in the world reflect that. The way of Christ is completely and radically other than that. Will we adopt that too? Will we reach out and touch the feet of Christ in our midst and pour out our hearts, recognizing the forgiveness that is there for us? Even before we ask, Did you notice that Jesus did not ask her to read a litany of her sins? 
He was not even a good priest. He didn't even say, come to my office at 9 o'clock on Monday morning and say confession, and I will absolve you. If you don't think that's an indictment of me, you're not listening. Right? This is not programmed religion. This is not about control and domination. This is not about comfort. This is about radical self-offering. And it involves nothing less than for us to offer ourselves completely over to the one who rejects the systems of violence and sacrifice and instead calls us into new life, the one who saves us and who will never leave us alone. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G We wish you God's peace and we hope to greet you in person very soon.